You're listening to the Smash Your Unsealing podcast. I'm your host, Barbara Nixon, and I'm so excited you're here. This is a place for you to boost your confidence, become limitless, and grow like never before. Because there's one thing I know for sure, success begins with you. Let's get started. Hey, it's Barbara. How are you doing? And welcome to another episode of the Smasher and Ceiling podcast. Now, in this episode, I am having a cuppa with Gary King. Now, Gary is an awesome person and somebody that I've known for quite some time now. And let me tell you a little bit more about him. He helps business owners to have the freedom to choose where, when and how they work. After 25 years in high growth businesses delivering results at a senior level, Gary knew he could use his skills to help SMEs. He's a straight talking, no nonsense Yorkshireman who now helps ambitious business owners create the freedom to make choices about their life through a range of online and in-person programs. Having turned around his business and his lifestyle when struggling in the first few years, and you're going to find out all about that soon, Gary now runs three successful businesses And it's his experience he uses to help other entrepreneurs ditch the guilt, start earning what they're worth and have the ability to make choices about how they spend their time. He creates what many hardworking business owners are missing, the freedom to choose. He's also the director and northern regional head for the Association of Business Mentors. Now, as always in these episodes, we cover an awful lot of ground. So you're definitely going to want to stick around. We talk about why Gary jumped from his corporate career to start his own business, what actually happened when he did that and how he found himself stuck in the weeds, which is something he supports other people to to navigate around and what he did to help himself get out of the weeds to actually create the business and life that he really, really loves. So without further ado, let's dive in. Hi, Gary. Welcome to the Smasher on Selling podcast. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm very good. How are you? I'm really good. I'm really pleased that we've we've got this we've got this together because we've been meaning to do it for a while, haven't we? We have. We have. It's been a long time coming for sure. Yeah, it has. Right. So my starting question is always the same for everybody. It's where do you want to start? What's a good place for us to start today? Yeah, do you know what? That's a great question. And I've reflected on this. I'm this is my 13th year. So some would say lucky, some would say unlucky, but you know, maybe I want to take it back to late 2009 early 2010 when I was in my corporate role and you know I'd, I'd spent most of the 25 years of my career working for other people uh, I've always had a thirst for learning a, a thirst for bettering myself I've always had a desire to want to compete and, and and finish ahead of my my peers but I was finding it increasingly difficult to to learn and develop in an environment that was was political there was a lot of point scoring. There was a lot of, we want to get one over on our colleagues rather than actually get one over on the competition. And I found that incredibly draining. I felt trapped and my energy levels were low. I, I was making myself ill and I just knew that something had to change. And that that for me needs to be the starting point of, of acknowledging that, that something needs to change. Yeah, so what happened? What did you do? Well, do you know what? I was... I was considering actually uh, resigning uh, because, and I had no job to go to. I was making myself physically ill. I was working a lot of hours. I was, I was, you know, I was burnt out and I I just couldn't do the politics. And I was, I was considering resigning. And uh, my boss at the time had gone radio silence for two or three weeks, which was most unlike him. He was always on the phone. And then he, um, he asked me for a meeting uh, in my office 
at half past 11 on a Friday when we finish at 12 o'clock and he was based 140 miles away. And I thought he's not coming up here to wish me well for the weekend. And, uh, you know, fast forward a week, uh, there may be an offer I couldn't refuse and I, I left the business. You know, so I, I got my wish to leave. But, the, you know, the bonus was I had a couple of quid in my pocket and I, that just gave me a little bit of time and a little bit of security to think about what my next steps would be. And, uh, yeah, it was quite fortuitous, really, because we'd been engaging with a, you can call them a competitor, a very, I mean, we were the global kind of leader by a long, long way. Uh, but we were chatting to a very, very small business that didn't have any traction in the UK. And they could they could essentially complement the products in our range that would save us having to develop them, the, the money, the time involved. And we'd, we'd had a conversation with them and there was a great fit. And I presented a white paper to the board of directors to say, you know, we should partner with these, this business for all these benefits. And uh, for various reasons that I still to this day don't really understand, they decided that uh, it wasn't the right fit. And I was connected to this guy on social media. So two weeks after I've left, probably not even two weeks, 10 days after I've left, we're chatting on social media. And he's like, hi, Gary, how are things? How are things with you at work? And I went, well, they're not, I've left. And he said, uh, oh, that's interesting. He said, we still want to get into the UK market. Um, are there any restrictions on you working with us? Should we want to pursue that conversation? I said, well, no. He said, well, and, th and this is like on a Sunday night, like literally 10 days after I've left my corporate role. No idea what I want to do. I just know that I want to make a difference for small businesses. I, I wanted to kind of be in charge of my own destiny. And I said, how about next weekend I fly you over to Italy, I wine and dine you for the weekend. It says, uh, it won't cost you a single penny. We'll pay for your flights, your hotel and everything. And we'll chat about how you might be able to support us in the UK market. Fast forward 10 days, uh, we've sh shaken hands and I've agreed to represent him in the UK to be basically his head of sales and marketing to help him get traction in the UK. I've got my first client. I'm going, right, okay, there's me helping a small business. There's me helping a small business with all the skills, knowledge, experience, and contacts that I have. And that's really where my business was born, uh, completely by chance. And all of a sudden, I've got an energy, I've, I've got a spring in my step, I'm excited because I can make a difference and I'm in control. And, you know, so much change in the space of 20 days. Amazing. Amazing. I love that story. Right. Before we get into it, because I know this is not where the story ends. This is not just a, you know, a, an overnight success kind of tale. I want to just go back to how you felt when you were stuck in corporate, because as we both know, it can when, we, when we're in that mode of feeling stuck, like you just, you know, like the walls are closing in on you. You know that you're not in the right place, but you kind of put up with it, don't you? And you tolerate it and you just think this is how it's supposed to be. You just go... What was it? What did it feel like for you? How did you know that it was time to to jump ship? It felt overwhelming. Um, I, I think the problem is I did I I didn't put up with it. I'm not prepared to put up with it, and that that's kind of ultimately why I finished up leaving because I'm not one of those yes people that that would accept that you know it's bureaucratic, it's political. This is how we've always done things. That's just not how I'm wired up. And I, I continue to try and fight in the right way. You know, I, I continue to try and say, well, look, this isn't how we should do it. We should approach it this way. We should approach it that way. And it was because I was constantly having those discussions with people to say this, you know, this needs to change. This needs to be done differently. And that, that's ultimately, I think, why I finished up leaving, because I was I was just fighting the corporate animal and, and they weren't prepared to change. And if I give you an example, we'd split the UK business. I, look, I'm a salesman deep down. 
I'm, you know, I, I'm just, I'm a hunter gatherer. And um, we'd split the business from a, from a functional business in the UK. So we had one big business in the UK where I was head of sales, I was sales director for the whole of the UK. So I'm responsible for anything that's customer facing. And we split the UK into three autonomous business units that were product related rather than us being customer related. So all of a sudden, I'm heading up this business unit for this particular product range where I'm, I'm heading up sales, marketing, product development, manufacturing, procurement, the full shebang. Now, I did have a strong push on sales across the UK, but predominantly I was looking after my business unit. And we had this kind of unwritten rule that because I was previously head of sales and I was the top salesperson in the UK in terms of experience, that anything sales related should be fed into me. I remember driving all the way from West Yorkshire one day down to Bury St. Edmunds to see a big client uh, to talk about a particular offering that we had. And, you know, walked in and, and the procurement guy said, we had one of your guys in yesterday. Like, do you guys not talk to each other? We had some guy in pitching a different product range to us yesterday. Like, you know, why don't we just have one meeting, not two, you know? And I went, I didn't know somebody else was coming in. So, I, you know, I left the meeting. I was a bit embarrassed. And I rang my colleague up, who was my equivalent in this new business unit. And I said, like, why do you feel it's appropriate not to communicate with me that you, you're going to see effectively my customer? I had the predominance of the sales with that customer. So they were meant to communicate. Why do you think it's appropriate for you not to communicate to me that you're going to see the customer? So we had a joined up approach and you should always put the customer first, right? And he said, I don't care about you and your business unit. All I care is about me and my business unit and making sure that we finish um, head and shoulders above you this year. And at that point, when we were putting internal politics ahead of doing the right thing for the customer, uh, I knew it was just time for me to leave. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I can completely understand that. The it just when it was a conflict of your values completely, wasn't it? Yeah, I just, I just, I'm not wide. I can't. I, I just, for me, we should be putting our energy into yeah. winning new business and find mm -hmm. the competition. You know, we're in a declining market. We're in a very tough market. And we were more intent on spending energy, effort, time and money on internal politics and bureaucracy and point scoring than we were winning new business. And that, for me, was time to go. Yeah, game over. Okay. Game over. I completely understand. So you we you jump ship, you you've got your, your first client, everything seems to be going well. What happened next? Do you know what? I, I had this view that, that I, essentially my business model has evolved over time. So when I started out, because I'm that pure salesperson, I was I was effectively acting as an interim salesperson for small businesses because sales never gets to the top of their agenda because even though business owners know the need to sell, technician business owners. So, you know, let me say, you know, one of the first guys I worked with was an expert at cutlery, crockery, glassware. You know, he understood technically his product, but was he was he the best salesperson? Well, actually, this guy wasn't a bad salesperson, but he was dealing with the hiring, the firing, the bookkeeping, you know, the recruit, you know, everything. And so sales wasn't getting to the top of his list. So I was filling that space. And that was, you know, I, I thought if I could get one new customer each quarter and not lose, you know, any more than one customer a year, then I would I would evolve. Probably about two years in, Barbara, I realized that actually that sales role was was I was on a hiding to nothing. You know, if if the business owner, if the if the if the proposition, if the strategy, if the product, if the service was so compelling, it would almost sell itself. So 
They're bringing me in to sell something that they couldn't sell easily because there was something wrong with the proposition, the sales strategy. So I started developing sales strategies, uh, working with the business owner and the sales team to develop the sales strategy. They then didn't do anything with the sales strategy. So I was then meeting with them on a monthly basis to hold them to account to, to you know, almost be a sales mentor to them. And that's when I, I almost evolved away from kind of an interim sales into the, the mentoring and the, and the strategy side. But I was also doing the hiring and firing. I was also doing the bookkeeping, the networking, the proposals. And, and what I thought was going to be a doddle in terms of, you know, I'll just rock up and work with however many customers and deliver results and you know live the life of Riley. The reality is with all this other stuff that comes with running a business, I was working six day weeks. Mm. Um, my relationship had failed. Um, I was compromising the time with my son. You know, he, he, played, he played football two miles away from where I lived and I never got to see him football training. Yeah. And that was heartbreaking. And I realized that the very thing that I thought was going to free me up and allow me to, to be in charge of my own destiny had trapped me again. So I'm, I'm kind of three, four years in and I'm working six day weeks. My relationships failed. My relationship with my son strained. I'm only spending two days a week delivering to clients, which is the thing that really puts fire in my belly. And I'm spending four days a week doing all this admin and paperwork and you know there was a time when I was, I was 1 30 in the morning and I was doing my expenses claims there was receipts everywhere and I was googling what the return mileage to Blackburn was and you know thinking there's got to be a better way I don't know I was trapped I was overwhelmed I was I was anxious I was I was tired I'd lost my mojo and I certainly wasn't earning the money that I thought I was going to be earning yeah yeah, yeah. And I can completely relate. I was in that exactly the same situation with, with my first business. So I left corporate and for freedom, as most people do, you know, we want this different life. I want it to have an impact. And then all of a sudden I found myself creating a new job for myself. And that's, it sounds like you did exactly the same. Yeah. So what did you do? Well, I realised something was broken and, and and two things happened in pretty quick succession. I rang my accountant the next day and said, I've just spent three hours while the early hours of the morning doing my expenses claims. Can you not do this? And, and he went, yeah, we can. And I says, why don't you? He said, well, you've never asked me. And it's at that point I realised that I had somebody in my corner that actually wasn't truly in my corner they were just there they were just they were going through a transactional relationship and in on reflection he'd never come out of his office and come into my business and said how can we make things easier for you yeah now completely by coincidence i'd finished up on an email list of a, of a business mentor one of the top business mentors in the uk at the time and i'd seen an invite to uh, an event he was running in london with uh, for a hundred business owners. And I thought, you know what? Uh, it wasn't a massive expenditure. I, I found myself a decent train and I thought, you know, a bit of a day out. And I was a bit daunted, if I'm honest, Barbara. I was a bit, you know, I, I was suffering from imposter syndrome. Who's going to listen to me? Who's going to take notice of me? I'll get found out soon. All those kind of usual things. And I thought, I'm going to go here, hopefully to learn, but I'm going to be in a room full of 99 other business owners that, that are miles better than me, that are more experience, that are, that are better quality, that deliver better results than me. And that was far from the case. Mm. I absolutely, when I was in that room, I realized that everybody was in the same boat as me. Everybody was trapped. Everybody was anxious. Everybody was overwhelmed. And I finished up chatting to this gentleman at the end. And I, and I just, I said, look, this is where I'm at. I'm trapped. And I need somebody that can just guide me through those vital next steps. And he said, well, why don't we put some time in the diary and do some do some work together on a one-to-one -one basis. Now he was based in deepest, darkest Wales. 
Mm. I was based in West Yorkshire, so we used to meet once a month in Birmingham. And literally within three sessions, I think I was six weeks in, we'd transform my results. We'd double my prices. Mm-hmm. We'd outsourced all the PA that was that was overwhelming me in terms of the amount of time and the energy it was zapping. We'd really got a handle on the types of customers that I should be working with and the types of customers I shouldn't be working with. And we'd actually sacked a couple of customers that weren't prepared for whatever reason to pay the price. So, you know, I've put my prices up, I've doubled my prices, I've got rid of customers that are a little bit of a drain and, and, and don't pay me very well. I've outsourced all the admin. And actually, my next couple of customers that I engage with at the higher price landed straight away. And, and I don't know whether it's this perception that, well, you must be good if you're charging that price. All of a sudden, I've replaced all of those poor paying or poor yeah. value customers with higher value customers. I've outsourced my PA. And in the time of freedom, I'm delivering even more work. So literally within three months, I've gone from working six days and, and, and spending two days delivering to clients and not earning any money to working four days, delivering three days to clients, and my prices were double and my costs were much lower. Mm. So I'm, I'm making money, I'm working less hours, and I've got my mojo back, and I'm working with better customers. No brainer, right? Yeah, and 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 that if that cemented me at that point, not only do I need good quality people in my corner in terms of accountants, in terms of mentors, but also it kind of really said I've I've now found my my kind of true meaning. I've been doing that mentoring for a couple of years, but that that kind of penny dropping for me in terms of the value that it delivered to me was my yeah I can I can do this too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've really kicked on from that point. Never look back. Amazing. Right. Let's, I, I love all of that. And I can completely relate. It's very similar to my story. I found a mentor quite soon after. Mine was down in, I think it was down Bishop Stortford Way. And it was like miles away. I used to get up at like four o'clock in the morning, three o'clock, just to get on a train, just to go down because it was worth it. You know, and that's what I love the fact that you said, get people in your corner. Because so mm. often you can think oh it's an you know it's an expense but it's an it's an investment if that person can save you time collapse time for you save you all the sorts of trouble and heartache and you know literally sidestep all the problems it's worth it isn't it who wouldn't want that do you know what a good expert in your corner is is worth every penny and every moment that you spend with them you know I've had a client recently who you know, he's, he's just hit fantastic results at the end of year two, one and a half million turnover business at the end of year two, but is the, the, the forecasting, the financial side of the business, the bookkeeping, it's been a real buggers model, if I'm honest. And, and that was a legacy that was in place before I started working with him, which is about six months in. And for 12 months, I've been saying, you've got to change this out. You need better visibility, better clarity, better systems, better numbers, better reporting. And I finally managed to convince him to move over to my accountant that was a considerably higher investment than the one he was making. He was buying his accountants in his bookkeeping on the cheap. Mm. You know, his accountancy was done by a family friend. And, you know, that's a whole different conversation for other days. Bookkeeping was done by a freelancer. The two weren't joined up. So I've convinced him to move over to, over to my accountant that puts everything under one roof. And it, as I say, it was a considerable investment for him. And we fast forward three months. He's got forecasts in place. He's got systems in place. He knows what his liabilities are. He knows what's due, when it's due, who it's due to. He's got visibility, clarity. And, you know, he's, he's saying to me, 
do you know what? I'm glad. I'm glad you made that decision. I'm glad you. I'm glad you guided me. You said it's the best and best investment is made in a long time. Yeah. And I think you know that that should be the same for any any expert you get in your corner. They need to be the best investment you've made. Yes, absolutely. And because you can't see the wood for the trees, you just can't. You're too busy doing. And we all fall into the trap. That trap. You've done it. I've done it. But as soon as you start to create that team you know that circle around you that are the best that they can be you it's literally gonna uh, I can't think of a better word than collapse time you know yeah it's transformational in terms of it collapses time it 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 it, it, you know it 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 ramps up your finances it ramps up your mojo it for me it's it it is transformational yeah Absolutely. The problem is, though, Barbara, that, that there's so many people out there that claim to be experts that are far from it, and that's the issue. Mm. There's a lot of there's a lot of horror stories out there, and a lot of people have had the fingers burnt by bad advisors, mm. and therefore they're reluctant to spend top dollar on the right advisors because they don't know the difference between the good, the bad, and the ugly, and that is a problem. That is a problem. Yeah, I completely agree with you there, and that's. That's something we, we could do. We're talking about later on in this podcast, actually. Yeah. Maybe that's a part two, because I think we could get into a lot of detail about that. So it might be a part yeah. two, because I want to actually just go back to your story, because that's what we're here to talk about today. So we're now, you're now you're seeing this mentor. And just out of interest, have you got a, a mentor now? Is that something you've continued with? Yeah, absolutely. Because I think I think it's disingenuous, if that's the right word, to to promote the benefits of business mentoring if you don't have your own business mentor mm-hmm. i just think those those coaches and mentors that, that are out there that that you know i said well the first thing i say well who's your mentor who's your coach oh well i haven't got one i don't need one and i go no everybody everybody needs one so for me yeah. it's disingenuous to promote the benefits of something when you're not experiencing the benefits of it yourself yeah i completely agree and is that the same person or have you swapped and changed no, I've swapped and changed because I think, you know, I, I still talk to this this person uh, regularly, just check in and, you know, a huge amount of respect and time for him. But I think your challenges change over time. And I think everything and everybody's got a shelf life, you know. The, you know, I, I've, one of my longest standing clients, we stopped working together about 12 months ago. Uh, we've been working together over 10 years. And it was because I'd taken him to the point where it had come to the end of my natural skill set. And it was time for him to engage somebody that had a skill set to take him to the next level. And it wasn't my forte. And when he told me, he was a bit nervous. And I said, no, you do right. I, mm. I wish you all the best with it because everything and everybody's got a shelf life. And I think for me, you've got to stay in your lane. And I think for me, I, I got to the point where he'd help me unlock or, or unpick that particular knot. Mm. Uh, and then probably 12, 18 months later, I've got a different knot to unpick and I needed somebody with a slightly different skill set. Exactly that, exactly that. And it's recognising that and not getting too attached. So, right, so let's go back and unpick some of these things that this, yeah. the, the first knot that you unpicked, because you'll probably yeah. see that in your clients as well. So what yeah. are the three three biggest things that were causing you problems in that in that first knot that were causing overwhelm and, and you know, being stuck in the weeds and just not getting the results that you wanted? Well, I think there was, there was three issues, really. One is 
is really kind of getting your proposition clear so you can charge the price that you want to charge and therefore the finances come through. And I think a lot of small business owners don't spend time understanding what their proposition is versus their competition. And therefore they lead with price and they get, they get rolled over on price and finish up selling the wrong products to the wrong people at the wrong price. So for me, that whole confidence in your pricing, confidence in your ability, confidence in your proposition is a key element. Yeah. The second element is understanding, even if you're good at it, whether you should be doing it or not. You know, I'm not bad at ironing, but I outsource my ironing because it's it's not the best use of my time. It's the same with admin in work. Yeah. I'm not bad at admin. It's probably not the best use of my time. You know, I didn't get into business to do admin. And actually, there are people out there that, that set up their own business to do admin because they're brilliant at it. They love doing it. And, and, and it's their forte. So for yeah. me, I, one of the biggest things was outsourcing. And I think at the peak, I was outsourcing probably about 70 hours of admin a month. That's 17 and a half hours a week. That's yeah. over two days admin per week outsourced to somebody that at the time I was paying £20 an hour. Mm-hmm. Now, if I can outsource two days a week at £20 an hour, how much more work do I need to do at a considerably higher rate if I've tackled that first issue to be paying for my admin? The answer is not a lot. So I've outsourced all the stuff that, A, just because I'm good at it, I shouldn't be doing it. I'm not, it's not the best use of my time. But actually, I then could spend more time with my son. I could spend more time working on my business. I could spend more time delivering to clients and doing what put fire in my belly. And all of that meant I could easily justify outsourcing the admin stuff to an expert. Mm. So the first one's a kind of proposition and the price. The second one is 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 just figuring out what you should outsource and what you should do yourself and then the the third ingredient for me is having that accountability Barbara Mm. it's having somebody that's going to hold your feet to the flames when you want to slip back into old habits yeah when you want to not do your homework whether you want to you know when you start working late at night when you shouldn't be somebody to go why are you doing that so for me, the third element is having somebody to just keep you on track and hold you to account. Yeah, it's so important. That last one is just gold, isn't it? So yeah. And this is where we come in. This is literally what we do. So I just want to kind of just jump back to the second one because that is a hidden gem right there. Just because you're good at it doesn't mean to say you should do it. Yeah. 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 The, and I see a lot of people falling into this trap and not just because they're good at it, or that they're not willing to invest in other people. It's just that they're hiding there. You know, it's a safe place while well, they can they can kind of fool themselves that they're being productive or when, when really they're just being busy. Yeah, because they can it's they're looking for that time away from busyness, away from you know being stuck in the weeds to just that's their clear space. Does that make sense? Yeah, they, they use it as an excuse. You know, they use it as an excuse to justify why they're not delivering the results they should be delivering. Absolutely. So I call this a hiding place task, you know, and we all have them. We just need to get really good at spotting them. Yeah. And you and I are quite good at just getting rid of the, the nonsense and just decluttering, decluttering. If it's not good, get rid of it, get rid of it. And I, just like you, learned the art of outsourcing a long time ago because, again, we've got a lot of synergy in our stories and I found myself in exactly the same spot. So outsourcing was just rule number one for me. Yeah, and you know what? One of the biggest excuses, Barbara, other than it is, a, is, a, and it is an excuse that's used, is I can't afford it. Mm. And, and if you're in that trap where you're working long hours and you're not earning the money, 
the thought of spending money on somebody to do stuff you can do yourself doesn't make sense. It's, it's, it doesn't make sense. It, it, it makes no sense at all. But but you've got to start somewhere. You know, if if you you know if I set up a business to deliver business mentoring and help clients to grow, it doesn't make any sense for me to be spending any more hours than necessary on admin. So mm. what I did is I did this. I started off by saying, "Can I outsource ten hours of admin per month? Not not per week, per month, ten hours." That then was costing me two hundred pounds plus that. So I thought to myself, in those ten hours, can I do one more client delivery session? that will earn me more than 200 pounds? And the answer was yes. Now, as long as you fill that time with a client delivery session and don't fill it with other stuff you shouldn't be doing, because then you've, you've got the worst of both worlds, haven't you? Yeah. You've not filled it with the stuff that puts fire in your belly and you're spending 200 pounds. So that's where the accountability bit comes in. So I then delivered an extra client session. It earned me well, well in excess of 200 pounds. I paid the 200 pounds and had a little bit left over. Mm-hmm. So the following month, I said, can I do 300? The following month, can I do 400? So I just did it step by step. I didn't go from nothing to like, I think at the height I was spending 1,200 quid a month. Mm. I couldn't I couldn't see a scenario where I was spending 1,200 quid. I could see a scenario where I'd spend 200 quid and test it for a couple of months. And then 200 became 300, 300 became 400. And, and before I know it, I'm spending 1,200 quid a month. And at that time, you know, it was a day, a day and a half delivery. Could I do a day and a half extra delivery when I'm saving 70 hours a month? The answer is yes. Mm, yeah, I did exactly the same. Just start small and build it up, build it up. I, I looked at the the task that was giving me the most headache. And for me, it was bookkeeping because I had yep. an experience like you where two o'clock in the morning, you're surrounded by receipts thinking, what what has happened to my life? <laughs> How did I get myself into this situation? Even back in my corporate days, I wouldn't have done that. Yeah, and this no. is the- I felt like I'd gone backwards. But 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 and, and there's a difference about having the right person in your corner. And you know, technically the, the old accountant was very good, but they weren't proactive. Mm-hmm. So what what my new accountant, I well, say new, so I've been with her for nearly 10 years now. She comes along and said, We've we've just found this new app and we think this new app will deliver X value. Should we try it? Uh we've just found this new piece of software. Should we try it? Um you know, last month, so for example, one of the bits of a pain for bookkeeping is my bookkeeper will chase me and say, for example, can you find me a receipt from LinkedIn Yeah. for my monthly LinkedIn subscription? So I've got to log on to LinkedIn. I've got to, where the hell's the bloody receipt? Yeah. Actually, find the receipt, download it. Da-da-da. So there's a piece of software called Fetch oh. and it links up to zero. Yeah. And what Fetch does is you can hook it up to your, you know, if, if, the, if it's on the, the system if you like you can hook fetch up to linkedin so that when a new invoice is raised in linkedin the fetch software automatically goes into linkedin downloads the invoice and uploads it to your bookkeeping system so it might only save me 45 seconds but it saves me 45 seconds times 10 times a month yeah exactly. oh, I and didn't it's, it's oh. those little bits of proactiveness for me that says i've got the right person in my corner it's the, yeah, exactly. It's the, and, and it's those incremental gains as well, isn't it? So that 45 seconds isn't actually 45 seconds because obviously you're adding it up, you know, per month. But it's also the headache, the putting it off, the your bookkeeper chasing you, the, you know, all the mindset stuff that goes with it that you have to then overcome. Yeah. And, and when she sends me that and she says I need it immediately, which is usually the case because she's busy doing some re- reconciliation, then I've got to break off. But then yeah. it takes me 15 minutes to get back on track. So yeah. it's the disruption. 
Exactly. Um, so for me, it's, it is absolutely all those incremental benefits that I get with having somebody in my corner that's proactive and has my mm. best interest, not their best interests at heart. Yeah, exactly that. Exactly that. Right. So there's loads that I actually want to unpick there. And plus, I've taken that, that app away because I didn't know about that. I've got a different kind of app, but I'm going to explore yours and see if it's any better. So thank you for that. But having somebody in your corner then, what are the mindset shifts that we have to go through? Because you mentioned imposter syndrome already. You mentioned, you know, it's quicker if I do it. Well, you didn't say it's quicker if I do it myself, but it's that kind of mentality. Mm. You know, I can be do, easily doing it. Why am I investing it? What are the other mindset shifts that have to be kind of overcome in order to say yes to somebody helping you out? I think the first one is getting over your pride. Mm. Uh, more of my clients are female than male. And, and the reason for that, I, I believe, is that women are more prepared to be vulnerable and acknowledge that they've got an issue that they need help with. Male pride gets in the way mm -hmm. uh, a hell of a lot. And, you know, that that is that is stifling, you know. So for me, it's it's accepting the fact that you don't know everything, yeah. that you're perhaps not on the right track, that you're, you're heading down the wrong path um, at the wrong speed. And, and, and so the firstly, it's about accepting that, you need help. That's yeah. a big tough one that I need help. I'm stuck. I'm trapped. I need help because you're almost admitting failure and nobody likes admitting failure. I, I hate admitting failure. It goes back to that. When I was in corporate, I always wanted to win and succeed. Yeah. And that goes down to my upbringing. You know, I, I we were, you know, it, it was really drilled into us about succeeding, winning, being first, not at all costs, but about trying to be the better version of ourselves that we could be. Mm. So the first one for me is acknowledging that that you're not where you want to be and that you're stuck and you need help. The second then becomes you've got to be coachable. Yes. You know, if, if you've got an expert guiding you and saying, perhaps you should try it this way, perhaps you should try it that way. And you say, no, that'll never work in a million years. We've tried that and it won't work. We've looked at that previously. I don't believe that's the right strategy. You're never going to get anywhere. So you've got to take a leap of faith and trust the person in front of you as your best interests at heart and and be coachable, learn, develop, evolve, change. Yeah. And if you're not coachable, and I always say to, to potential clients, if you're not coachable, I can't help you. Yeah, yeah. You've got to be prepared to be humble and to accept that there's a, there's a better way. Mm, completely agree. And I have that conversation too. How much do you actually want it? Yeah. And this is the thing. If we get to that point where we where you are now is worse than actually taking that leap, then yeah. that's a good place to be. Right. We're ready to take that leap. And it is it is that leap of faith. It's trusting in somebody else, especially when all you've done is rely on yourself historically. So that's a, it's a tough one for a lot of people. It is. And, and, it, and it's not for everybody. You know, not everybody is coachable. Not everybody's prepared to admit that there's a problem. You know, I bumped into a guy at a networking event recently who, you know, and it, it, not my cup of tea, but it was very, very quick to tell me how successful he was in terms of his bank balance and uh, and his cars and his houses and his holidays and you know brag 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 brag. And I said that's, that's that sounds like you've done really really well. Uh, you know when was the last time you watched your kids play football? Yeah. When was the last time you switched off at five o'clock in the night and took your wife out for dinner and left your phone at home? Yeah. Well, uh, uh, and of course you know it was heavily compromising his family time. And he justified it by, well, look at my bank balance and look at my holidays and look at my cars. And I'm going, 
I'm sorry if you know you can have all of those things if you don't have the ability to switch off and, and have time freedom because you, you are trapped by your business and you don't have the love of your family around you and you're missing out on your children growing up you're building what, the wrong business yeah what is the point and it might be the what? right business for him you know it might be all right for his values but yeah it's not the right for for me I know it's not the right for you either because I'm all about cultivating a life that you love to live we didn't start that because let's face it, we can you can get money anytime, you know, you can get money doing anything. This is this is our dream. This is we want that freedom attached to it. So yeah, and money's not everything, Barbara. You know, I I, I remember when I was in corporate, I had a, a couple of friends and you know, we'd say to them, you know, we want to go out for this to this nice restaurant on Friday and have some dinner. Do you want to join us? Oh no, no, we can't afford it. And mm. um, we want to go away for this weekend break. Do you want to join us? No, no, we can't afford it. And, and their raison d'etre, and, and, and it's fine, that's how they were wired up, their raison d'etre was they wanted to pay the mortgage off by the time they yeah. get to the mid-40s. Yeah. Well, that's fine, but don't do that and miss, miss out on enjoying all the nice things in life. You know, the kids never got treated. They never went on nice breaks or holidays. The cows always fall into bits. The, you know, they always look threadbare in the clothes. They, they didn't go to nice restaurants. Well, at what point do you compromise too much? yes yeah and what is what does success actually look like for you because I think that's the starting question for everybody are you actually living right now your version of success yes it might be tweaking but in terms of you know you might want to upgrade a few things but are you actually happy do you wake up every morning and go actually I'm really pleased that I'm living this day or are you just miserable are you just treading water and stuck in the weeds because that's not my idea of success at all and, and and the reality is that's that's most people that the, the you know they they are going they like that proverbial hamster in the hamster wheel. For me, for me personally, absolutely, you know, it's not about having a massive bank balance with all of these amazing rewards. I'm I'm fortunate enough to be able to go on three or four holidays a year. Mm-hmm. My poison is watching Leeds United home and away. So you know, pretty much wherever Leeds United are playing, whether it's Tuesday night, Wednesday night, London, South Coast, I'm there. Yeah, yeah. Um, because I've got a business that allows me that flexibility and working with some amazing customers. I can't wait to get out of bed on a morning and, and yeah. you know, uh, work with clients through the day. But also, you know, if I don't have a client session, I'll switch off and go to the gym at 11 o'clock or one yeah. o'clock. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's about it's about having freedom and choice in terms of where, when and how I work. And then the money will follow from that. Uh, to, to the point that allows me to enjoy that freedom and, and that lifestyle and, and, you know, the holidays and the football and the rest of it. So it's getting those priorities right, isn't it? Yeah, oh, completely. Absolutely. Right, I'm looking at the time because I know you've got to dash quite soon. So how can people get hold of you, Gary? Where can they find you? Yeah, sure. My, my website is tendo-uk.com. There's loads and loads of resources on there. There's a there's a quiz for anybody that feels trapped and don't know where they're trapped and what the next steps are. There's loads and loads of downloadable resources, uh, tools, uh, techniques just to help with, you know, collapsing time and, and being more efficient, more effective outsourcing even. And, uh, you know, loads and loads of kind of blogs and content. And my LinkedIn. So look for Gary King at Tendo on LinkedIn as well. Again, there's tons and tons of stories on there. And there's plenty of anecdotes uh, on a regular basis. So either of those two would be... Uh, my uh, ideal perfect and all of those links are in the show notes as well gary it's been an absolute pleasure as always could talk to you forever um 
thanks for just hanging out with us today and I'll see you soon. Thanks, Barbara. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening to the Smash Run Ceiling podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, it would be great if you could hit the subscribe button and leave a review as it helps me to reach a lot more people. And if you know someone who will benefit from having a listen, please feel free to share. Have an amazing day and I'll see you next time.